Welcome, everybody, to the Week 9 Eyes on Big Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined by... This is Big Kurt here. Uh, Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am Big Kurt on Twitter. That's at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. We are on all the platforms to forward this amazing podcast to all your friends. Yep. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean app. You can yeah. go directly to the website, eyesonbig.podbean.com. So again, uh, very easy. Just just on, I know on mine, it's an Apple-based uh, product. On the bottom, there's just three little little bullets on the bottom. You press on that. You can you can copy the link and just text it or email to somebody. You can forward it directly to somebody on, on text messages or Twitter. Very quick little uh 15 second maneuver if you can do that to us or for us we would very much appreciate that you could do that for works us. works basically the same on on spotify and the podbean app too i've never used stitcher because i've it's i guess more of a, a android based type thing and i have an apple but very easy to share so please do please do we very much appreciate it the numbers going up we want them to keep going up and up and up yeah we keep growing thank you everyone all right what do we got big kurt we're gonna start off with housekeeping here Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Housekeeping. All right. Uh, some good news here for the Purdue Boilermakers. For the first time ever, Purdue swept all four Player of the Week awards for the Big Ten. Duh. Winning. Way to go, Purdue. So David Blau, Offensive Player of the Week. Marcus Bailey, Defensive Player of the Week. Joe Shopper, Special Teams Player of the Week. And Rondale Moore. Freshman player of the week. That, truth be told, he shared with Nebraska's Adrian Peterson. Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez, yeah. I'm going to do it. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> unbelievable. I mean, it's just everything's coming up. Uh, Boilermaker. Yeah, in, in it really fast is. Five days or so, which it should when you have a mm-hmm. big monumental win like that. So I'm I'm assuming anybody that's a Purdue fan has had a, had a nice little run of things lately. Yeah, it must be quite a hangover there in West Lafayette right now. Yeah, I, I actually wondered if... It's a situation where now reality is starting to come in. Set yeah. in that oh, crap. You actually have to travel to a pretty <laughs> yeah. you know tough place to to play a football game and win. And and that's something that you know we'll get into more. But they're definitely going to have to to think about that. Um, the other thing too, and just real quick, but on Pro Football Focus, mm-hmm. I don't know how many of you out there follow that. Oh, but it's a lot of it's a lot of. Kind of hoping you wouldn't bring this up. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> also, a first time for that. Yeah. The entire Wisconsin offensive line graded out the best for pro football focus for the Big Ten. Well, and you're missing one, the tight end, too. Yeah, so who also does, so, does some blocking. And for those that aren't familiar, pro football focus is an organization that grades every play of every college game. It's mostly to see how they project to the professional ranks, the NFL. And so they, they put out grades. I think the highest you get is 100, right? Right. It's zero to 100. And they put out every week the best player at each position for each conference, and Wisconsin swept it on the offensive line and tight end. Now, similarly... And the joke here is that uh, it was a sweeping process against, against the, Illinois. the Illinois front seven. And by the way, I rewatched that game, and they deserved what they got there. Uh, but yeah, did you notice that Nebraska had quarterback, receiver, two running backs? Correct. As, it was pretty much the whole thing was Wisconsin was, and Nebraska. Nebraska. There's a lot yeah. of red block letters there. Correct. Yeah, so congrats to Wisconsin and to Nebraska there. Uh, just quickly for injuries, Michael Penix, the quarterback of Indiana, unfortunately suffered an ACL tear. He's out 
for the rest of the year. Felton Davis, wide receiver, Michigan State. Achilles tear, also out for the remainder of the year. Here's one maybe you didn't know. Did you realize that Tariq Black lined up for a play last week? I did not know that. He lined up on like a third and one, and on the first play of the drive, Harbaugh called a timeout. He came off the field, didn't come back, so he didn't actually play in the game, but he was dressed and he lined up for a play. So there must be some showmanship in there, which is the perfect lead-in to uh, – Yeah. So go ahead. Uh, well, the this whole khaki pants versus D'Antonio saga has taken <laughs> yet another turn. Both institutions are kind of in a he said, she said right now, <laughs> don't you think? Yeah, where, it's perfect. Where Michigan State is saying, well, we planned on leaving at 9.57. We left at 9.59. We planned on being – on the field at, at 10 o'clock, we were there at 10.02, basically saying they were on time. Michigan's saying, no, 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 you were 10 minutes late. That's why we, we were on the field. Uh, I love Jim Harbaugh's comment. No, 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 it's not BS. It's the opposite of BS. <laughs> it's fact. And then he even went in the uh, memory bank on some crusty old piece of paper that he must yeah, have had right. <laughs> on this for like three years and brought out a quote from D'Antonio from whatever it was three, three yeah. years ago or so. I don't um, have that quote, though. Yeah, it, it basically was just talking about how it's not a reflection on the players; it's a reflection on the on the program. And so he tur- he turned Antonio's words around on him. Yeah, which was great. On the last cast, I had only seen like the panned back view of the march, and I so I didn't know which one was Antonio. It was clearly Antonio. He I was saw a close up of and that's, him, and that's where D'Antonio said, "Check the tape." Well, I yeah. remember me saying it last podcast. I, unless my eyes deceived me, that sure looked like D'Antonio, like five yards behind the line. Right. That's where he was. So it, it meant he was also five, ten yards, maybe because it was to the left or to the right of him, with the guys pulling the headphones off the Michigan yeah. players and stuff like that. That right stuff there. clearly happened. Like yeah. it, it went down. So to me, D'Antonio was caught red-handed with with <laughs> what probably could be described as BS. And then when he gets asked about it at his press conference well, earlier yeah, this that's week. The best part yeah he says go ahead okay he says i will let god handle my business i address this saturday ask me about purdue or you all drove up here for nothing the god will take care of this has got to be one of the silliest things first of all i hope to god that god doesn't care about pregame antics between michigan (laughs) michigan pretty sure he doesn't yeah, I mean, basically that was just a cop-out, which which led into, I thought this was a pretty good uh, poll, uh, a guy named Brendan Stiles. He's got uh, some, some Iowa in his background. He's a good follow on Twitter for all things college football, Big Ten football. His question, I, I'd like to pose to, to Twitter, of these four head coaches in the Big East division, which one, hmm. if you had to choose, do you find the most tolerable and why? And the choices are Jim Harbaugh, Mark D'Antonio, Urban Meyer, and James Franklin. Yeah. Uh, at the bottom is Urban Meyer at 2%. Would find him the, the most tolerable. Next up was Mark D'Antonio at 13%. Then a big jump up to James Franklin yep. at 32%. And over half, 53%. Have khaki pants, Jim Harbaugh, and if if this poll went out, if this poll went out even just six months ago, mm-hmm. definitely like a year, year and a half, I would have ago. answered different. That's exactly how I would rank them. I would have ranked them much differently. 
I, I think that's how I would have ranked him. To me, D'Antonio and Urban Meyer, quite honestly, is kind of a toss-up to me, but um, pretty pretty interesting little little tidbit there. I've totally flipped with Harbaugh. He used to just annoy me. His, his shtick, I thought, was terrible. He's dialed that down, and I actually love listening to his press conferences now. To quote my brother, winning is the ultimate deodorant. It's not about winning for me with Harbaugh because I'm not a Michigan fan. I just think... He, his his like quick responses and that weird look in his eyes it it just makes me laugh. It, One of these days, I'm going to impersonate Harbaugh on the podcast on on his press conferences. I think I kind of have it down, but I don't have the brain power to do it right now. But it's it always kind of sounds the same. Well, let's work on that. I can ask you the questions okay. and then you'll we'll, answer. We'll workshop that as Harbaugh. But one more thing that Mark D'Antonio said. He said the whole ordeal was juvenile. Do you think so? Yeah, it was, and it's because of you that it was juvenile. At least a part of it. I think both ADs yeah, they, and, I mean, everybody's got a hand in this. It's not 100% on Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State, but anyways. My guess is there's no incident this week when Purdue visit, visits uh, East Lansing. No, that'll be figured out. All right, let's move on to Big Ten power rankings. Again, we're going to divide these into tiers. So five different tiers. We're going to start at the bottom. The bottom tier includes two teams. At 14 overall is Rutgers, and at 13, Illinois. I yep. think that's pretty clear cut. Yep. The two, the, the dregs of the Big Ten Conference right there. One in each division. Yep, one in each division. We already played out that toilet bowl, so we saw who won that one. Go, Illinois. All right, next tier at 12 is Nebraska, 11, Minnesota, and 10, Iowa. Uh, Indiana. Oh, I'm sorry. Indiana at 10. Um, yeah, I mean, right now – out of those three, the team that I would least want to play, if I'm any given team, would be Nebraska, Nebraska yeah. for sure. And, of course, you Minnesota fans out there will find out this Friday if uh, you're going to move up ahead of Indiana. Now, the one thing I would say is Nebraska should be ranked <laughs> ahead of Minnesota. I would well, say but they'd... they're one in six. I know. It's tough. It's, it's tough to say. Yeah. The over, you cannot just uh, – P.J. Fleck, after the game, I don't know if you saw some oh, of his comments, boy. but yeah. – Basically, he said, we got outcoached, which, okay, no argument there. Uh, then he said, you know, this could be a, a what do you say, 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one team. And it's like, okay, they, they didn't beat Michigan. There was no chance of that happening. Purdue beat up on them pretty good, too. Yep. And he taken that win against Purdue, and Purdue's proven to be a very hot, good football team. I don't know. It's really reaching to say that. With that being said – I do know as a fact Nebraska's record is one in six, and yep. I think they got to win a couple more games to to move up well, past and that. We always put merit into these. Like, what does your record say? Not this isn't what we th who we think was going to win head to head necessarily. Maybe a tiebreaker, but let's not forget Minnesota has a great win over Fresno too. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to the third tier. At the bottom, number nine Maryland, eight Michigan State. Seven Purdue, six Northwestern, and that one's a close one too. Yep. Um, um, I got no problems with By those the way, rankings right there. All those teams are four and three overall. Yeah, it's insane. They're all four and three. I think all of those teams are better than their four and three record suggests. I agree. But back to the you know what you just maybe said Maryland. Right now. Yeah, and then um, so yeah, right there. It's just but you got to go with the fact that Northwestern fans rightfully show. So we're getting a little bit chippy on. 
uh, Twitter this week because yeah. they're like, hey, we're, we're winning this division they're right now. And we place. beat Purdue head-to-head. They, that's right. I understand that Purdue's a different team than they were week one, but, but you but you can't take the win away from nope. Northwestern either. So, so again, we're yep. going by merit here. Yep. All right. The uh, second to the top tier, number five, Penn State, four, Wisconsin, three, Ohio State, and two, Iowa. Um, yeah, uh, Big Kurt does the uh, the the weekly rankings for the teams. Um, I do. If I f- really feel passionate about something, I might say something, but and I may or may not change it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but right now, I mean, with how Ohio State's looked, virtually most of, you know all the year, the defensively whole year, the whole year, yeah, and 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 how Iowa's been way more consistent um, and getting better as the year goes on, especially offensively. Yeah, um, obviously Wisconsin beat Iowa head to head. You can't just glance over that I don't think the teams are completely different than when they played you know a month ago but um, it just seems like that's trending that way mm-hmm. I would be interested to see how many people outside you know the Big Ten footprint would rank Iowa in front of Ohio State and Penn State but you know I, I think there's reasons to point to for that and then of course in a class by themselves the Michigan Wolverines at number one overall seven and one overall record five and zero oh in the Big Ten only undefeated team in the conference I just I don't think there's any way to argue that right nope. now. So, all right, that that uh, concludes housekeeping. All right, on to the games. So first up, we got kind of a little special one here. We got a Friday night game. We got the four and four Indiana Hoosiers traveling into Minnesota to take on the three and four Minnesota Golden Gophers. This game is at 7 o'clock p.m. It's on FS1, and the spread didn't have it at the beginning of the week, but just came out. It is Indiana favored by two and a half points. I think you could probably make this the who makes a bowl game game. Uh, Whoever wins this game will be be in good shape Mm -hmm. to make a bowl game. However, just on the other side of that ledger, the team that doesn't make doesn't win this game, it's going to be a definite uphill Definitely. climb to, to, to get three more wins. Do we have a total there? I uh, don't have a total. I think it's 54 and a half on okay. the total. Okay. All right, so last week we started something listing off the yards per play differential for each team. So, of course, this is taking total offense divided by plays, so average yard per play on offense, subtracting the average yard per play you give up on defense. So for the IU Hoosiers, they are negative 0.05 yards per play differential. Okay. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are negative 0.94 in that category. So that that ranks 12th for the Gophers in the conference and 9th for the Hoosiers. What do you think of that? Well, it's a that's a big difference there. Um, <clears throat> Minnesota's quite a, a bit down the line in that. I mean, IU's basically, you know, they're, they're that – shows that they're a average Big Ten team, which right. is kind of what's played out so right. far. They're almost a wash. And by the way, for those that don't know, that statistic is one of the main statistics used by the desert people to set lines. I wonder if the college football playoff committee uses kind of the same stuff to try to... I'd be to, curious. Yeah, they're, they're obviously very secretive in their castle on the hill, but I got to think that they're using some form of metrics. So obviously... Where you're playing the the game matters, but th- this is why, for instance, IU is a two and a half point favorite because yeah. they're they're easily ahead of Minnesota in that category. Now, we're recording right now in downtown Minneapolis, just a few miles from TCF Bank Stadium. This is going to be a weather game for sure. Yeah, it's supposed to rain for the next two days plus in the Twin Cities area. 
So that's going to affect this. Uh, the other thing that is going to affect it too is nobody really knows if uh, uh, Zach Anstead is yeah. actually playing in this game. Uh, my Gopher insider Ryan, even he does not know. Okay. Um, I think the general thought process is that if Zach Anikstead goes out, that they're going to go to some some more of a, like a ball control type of offense. That's not what's going to happen here. They're going to toss the ball. I they would, would think so. Typically toss the ball around even more. And let's also point out Antonio Chenault, defensive back, and OJ Smith, defensive lineman from Minnesota, also questionable in this game. Those are three key players that may not play for the Gophers. Now the Gophers D is really soul searching right now, aren't they? Yeah. Against lo- lesser competition, they've looked pretty good. Against decent Big Ten competition, they've got kind of embarrassed. I kind of see these teams as in the very similar place right now, right? They both started out really hot, got really confident, and they've been kind of knocked around the last few weeks. Even though statistically, IU looked pretty good against Penn State. Yeah, definitely did. But I think even though they're in similar places, even though their confidence has been shaken, I think IU's in a better place right now than Minnesota. You agree with that? Yeah. Um, th- you can definitely bring up all the things you just brought up to, to similarities of the teams. There's no doubt about that. I feel like Indiana knows what it wants to do more than Minnesota and has the capability to do that for whatever reason from all the Indiana games I've watched, they just they fail to accomplish it the whole game. They have pockets of what I think yeah. Tom Allen wants his football team to look I at. I agree. Right? Followed by just complete, you know, quarter long, two series long brain farts where they just completely go away from that. Um, what Indiana wants to do and what Minnesota has to stop in this game is is Stevie. Because that guy is the heart of the whole offense to me. But I think they will play a pretty balanced offensive scheme here. Indiana will. I yeah, think. I mean they're they're yeah you know, they can. But w- what gets them into the good positions mm-hmm. and gets them moving the ball more? I mean, I rewatched that entire Indiana Penn State game. Um, that was an evenly matched game. Yeah, it wasn't I, bad. Right? I, it was almost like it was mirroring each other touchdown for one team touchdown for the right. other touchdown for one field goal for one team field goal for the other turnover for one team yep. turnover that's pretty much how that game went i'm not sure if minnesota could get into a game like penn state like that They're, and and go mirror no. to mirror like that they can't mostly because shootout. of what you just brought up it's no huge knock to me on pj fleck there has been a lot of flack towards fleck mm-hmm. up in the uh the um, Twin Cities media this week, I think it's yeah, sure. too much. Way too much is going on. There's infighting going on between Gopher fans right now because the Gopher fans that I think are the intelligent ones are saying th- it's only been a year and a half. We need it's, to have more time here it's with It's way PJ too Flag. early to judge, and I think it's very clear that the previous regimes were not recruiting very well. They had decent players enough the last couple of years to get yeah. to the win totals they did, but there there was an empty cabinet behind that. Yeah. What's what's causing PJ Flex some issues right now is seeing the instant success that Jeff Perome has had at Purdue. And oh, by the way, Tracy Clay's defense is playing State great, aren't they? Is amazing yeah. right now. And there's easy things. There's there's low hanging fruit for the 
what I think is a lot of times crappy media up in the Twin Cities to point at. It's you're not there with PJ Fleck yet. You got to give this thing more time. There's been too many injuries. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's kind of a ten thousand foot view of Minnesota with that stuff, but it does kind of bring down onto what is happening to Minnesota right now. Um, I will say that PJ Fleck is the thing that he's always gotten high marks on is being a big motivator. Yeah. So this is a week. On a short week playing Correct. at home, he he needs to to you know win his paycheck there. Don't get me wrong, this should not be a blowout. With that being yep. said, I'm just seeing too many things in my mind that uh, points towards Indiana just being the better team. And I, agree. I would take Indiana to cover the two and a half. I'm going to take Indiana to cover the two and a half as well. Here's an interesting stat: the Gophers have given up 42 plus points in all of their Big Ten games except against Ohio State crazy wow so the all-time series here minnesota 38 indiana 26 with three ties these teams hardly played before about 1940 they only had a handful like i think maybe 11 or 12 meetings before 1940 back then there was a lot of politics in terms of scheduling so for whatever reason they've just not played that much longest win streak in the series for each team is only four games Hmm, crazy had to have been minnesota back in the day so minnesota was 48 through 57, that tells you how often they played. It took them, you know, 10 seasons to, to play four games. Graduate. And then IU from 91 to 94. All right, so that is our only Friday night game. Moving on to Saturday, we've got five games, no night game. Something that I was going to point out even before the Gopher-Maryland game is when I was looking at this line, these lines this week, nothing looks comfortable to me as far as what I would take. And I think, well, We'll go through that with with all of these uh, games. Now, first one up that we're going to talk about, there is no line because it is the 4-4 four and four Bethune-Cookman. Do you know what Bethune-Cookman is? Do I know what they are? Yeah, what do what you are, mean? What their, what their mascot is? Yeah. They're the Wildcats. Nice. Nice work. Yeah. Okay. The Bethune-Cookman Wildcats at the 1-6 Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. As I already said, there is – no line. I'm going to be honest with you, Nebraska fans. We're not going to go into a, a deep, deep dive Sorry, into Nebraska this fans. game. Um, obviously, big win last week for Nebraska. It was oh, a yeah. win that if you follow enough college football, you could see coming because uh, second week on the road for Minnesota, um, uh, Nebraska wasn't like it's going to be a program or a team that was going to give up on the season. They obviously right. wanted to get that first win. Um, so a big relief. My guess is you are going to see that starting to pay forward a little bit with Nebraska. Um, I can't imagine any kind of scenario that Bethune-Cookman keeps this game close nope. unless Nebraska just goes into some horrible turnover penalty you know, conundrum that they can't get out of. Um, Bethune Cookman does have a pretty good quarterback, Archivius Williams. Mm. He's a kind of a dual threat guy, so he, he'll move the ball on Nebraska because I until I see something completely different out of Nebraska's defense, it's yeah. not going to be a defense that that I'm going to to trust in any kind of situation. However, I trusted enough against Bethune Cookman. I trust their offense to put up 500 yards of total offense Me too. easily. They're, they're going to win this game. Yes. Would, they're going to win it by four touchdowns. I agree with you. Here's a quick quiz for you. Where is Bethune-Cookman located? 
Uh, it's Texas, remember? We checked that out. It was San Antonio, no. right? No. no, it's Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh, that's right. I was looking. That was uh, okay. Most Big Teners only know that from spring break back in college. Okay. But that's right. where Bethune Cookman's located out of the Mideastern Athletic Conference. So, Nebraska, even though, the, uh, so we don't have the stats for Bethune Cookman, but Nebraska's minus 0.03 yards per play differential, which firmly plants them in the middle of the conference at eighth. So, yeah, this is just going to be a track meet for Nebraska. It's just a question of how many points they give up to Bethune-Cookman, but I expect them to score 50 points or more. Yep, it's how many points they're going to score, and even more important, how many guys they don't get banged up. Yeah, that's get true. Get Adrian Martinez out, out of, of the, the game, game sure. as quick as you can if it looks like he's not going to win the Heisman this year. You don't you don't have anything to prove there. Just yep. get him through this game. Get a lot the, of snaps for Andrew Bunch this yeah, week. Yeah, I would think so. And the uh, backup quarterback, I forget his name right now, that was um, – uh, he's now eligible. He transferred over from UCF. He had basically been on the best oh. way I could describe it is waivers. And uh, I, I apologize, Nebraska fans. I don't know it off his name off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah, he, he's available to play too. My guess is you're going to see okay. see him in this game. All right. So next game up, the four and three red hot Purdue Boilermakers traveling into East Lansing to play the four and three not so red hot Michigan State Spartans. 11 o'clock a.m. game on ESPN. This line is Sparty by three. Uh, who is more emotionally compromised in this game would be the way I would put it. Sometimes you can be emotionally yeah. compromised good. Good and bad, right? And sometimes bad. Yeah, I have one of my notes, letdown question mark, hangover question mark for Purdue. And, you know, same thing for Michigan State. Very um, – Emotional game against big brother, little brother. I'm not sure who it is anymore. Uh, yards per play differential here. Purdue sitting at a hefty plus 1.53, while Michigan State has dropped down to minus 0.21. So they're 10th in the conference. Purdue's up to fourth. And that, my guess is these teams are going to keep moving in the direction that they're moving. I, I think so. Similarly, Offensively, Purdue just keeps moving up in the S&P. They're up to number 10 overall in the country. Michigan State keeps dropping back. They're down to 15, which is still a great ranking. But I think you've, Purdue, they've got so much momentum on their side right now. I don't think they're going to have a hangover here. Do you? I don't. F it is hard for me to completely separate the two, meaning X's and O's. An emotion, okay? Mm -hmm. They're they're always wrapped together in college football. But sometimes you have to, as a handicapper, you have to look through it and just say, there are certain X's and O's things that just usurp the emotion, mm -hmm. okay? Um, I think that's what we have here. The problem with Michigan State is that, I mean, they're down to almost no options on offense. Throwing the ball. I mean, losing Felton Davis yep. is huge. He was always their go-to guy, not only for big plays, but for third down. So that's moving the chains. With him out, now with a, yep. what has been a questionable offensive line and running the ball mm -hmm. all year, where, where do they go for the offense? Well, and let's flip it to the defense. Their run defense we know is great. Their pass defense is okay, right, at best. I think Blau can pick apart their back seven. And I think he will. I expect him to, to roll up and, and And Blau throwing the ball all over the yard is not a new development just in this, this right. winning streak. He's been doing that pretty much since he took the job over. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, 
Michigan State has a penchant for taking the hopes and dreams of teams and shattering and destroying them before their very eyes. But this is not a rivalry. No, it's I, not. I feel like that they are more apt to do that versus, obviously, Michigan. They've done it a couple times with Penn State. Not, well, recently with Penn State. A couple times with Ohio State. Um, but they've also shown the ability to whiff from times, from yeah, time to time, they have. Um, which, which happens to everybody. It's not just a sure. D'Antonio or Michigan state thing, but I, I, I tell you what, my, one of the best lines that I got with this game was from my, my brother, Darone. It's not actual name, but, um, he goes, I have very strong feelings about this game. I just don't know who I'm going to pick. <laughs> And that is, I get it. That's I get it with, yeah. I get it with that game, with I that thought have, process, but we have to choose here. Yeah. I am choosing, I'm choosing the X's and O side. I'm going to take Purdue. You're giving me three points on it that to, to keep the, yeah. the train rolling. Yeah. I like Purdue uh, minus three as well. You talked about the, the weapons offensively for Michigan state, just kind of falling by the wayside. Meanwhile, the Purdue defense seems to be getting better every week. I, I, I I'm not saying this is an easy pick for me, but this is one that I feel a little bit confident about. What I feel even more confident about is the offense that we just talked about, not for Michigan State, not scoring a lot of points. But, however, I can see Michigan State rising up to slow down Purdue. They're not going to be as red hot as they were last week. So what I really like, I like the under 50.5 here. Okay. Overall series, Michigan State leads 35-28 to 28 with three ties. They are on a seven-game win streak right now. Purdue's last win in this series was 2006 when they won 17-15. to 15. All right. Next up, we have got the last 11 o'clock a.m. game, the 5-2, number 20-ranked Wisconsin Batchers at the 4-3 Northwestern Wildcats. 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox. The Badgers are currently favored by seven points. Um, yes, again, Northwestern fans been a little puffy chesty this week uh, <laughs> because they are sole possession of first place hey, in the Big Ten West. They've earned it. Yep, they are they three and one. Um, a lot of interesting things to look at here. Uh, Northwestern yeah. has acquitted themselves very well at home versus the the Badgers over this this series. I, I yeah, do think that is a trend to look at because yeah. Pat Fitzgerald is still there, and Wisconsin has seemingly run the same offense since the early '90s. So it's not right. there are trends to look at with that. Um, Northwestern's won four out of five at Ryan Field in this series. Yeah, so that's that is something definitely to look at. Um, I think there's some motivation on their side with again the the lack of respect they're getting, like they typically do nationally and maybe even inside the Big Ten footprint. Um, um, the lack of respect they're getting with the spread. They're a touchdown uh, dog mm -hmm. in their in their own house. Yeah. Um, definitely no lacking of motivation for either one of these teams. But it kind of back to what I alluded to before. Again, I don't have a great read and feel either way for this game. No, I don't either. Yards per play differential here. Wisconsin's at a robust plus 1.53, which puts them at a tie for fourth in the Big Ten. Northwestern at a negative 0 0.57, way down at 11th in yards per play. Lot of mostly, mostly due to the fact they can't, they can't run, run the ball. The ball. Lot of injuries in the Wisconsin. Insane uh, on the, on their defense. I, I, they're down to it seems like third and fourth string defensive backs <laughs> at areas. So that 
seems to play into Northwestern's hand a bit, knowing how, how much they love to throw the ball. But Northwestern gets back running backs John Moten and Solomon Vault this week from injury. And we saw them finally establish a bit of a running game last week. Granted, it was against Rutgers. I'm curious what they're going to do this week. Air it out, run the ball. We got strong last week. What do you think? Um, I, I I think they're going right back to Thorson throwing the ball yeah. 50 times in this game. Um, Wisconsin's defense is doing pretty darn good considering how much they've lost. Uh, off, yeah. You know, I mean, there's a ton of guys out. Um, right. And they still continue to do okay. Um, again, I think they can look okay again because they can, I, I would assume, just focus on Northwestern's passing game and trying to figure out ways to get into Thorson's grill mm -hmm. and see if they can make some mistakes for him. However, on the other side of things, I think there is enough areas for Northwestern to be able to attack Wisconsin to be able to move the ball. Well, here's an interesting stat that I dug out. Wisconsin is number one in the nation for tackles for loss allowed on offense when they're on offense. Northwestern is dead. So, so in that case, being number one in the nation is they like give being they, the, they give up the, the most. least tackles for loss. Oh, the least. It, okay. Yeah, they give up the least tackles for loss in the entire country. Now, Northwestern's defense is last in the Big Ten in tackles for loss. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know that they're going to be getting after Hornybrook at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's switching to the other side of things. I also would feel very confident if I am a Badger fan that Wisconsin is going to be able to run the ball and run the ball well in this game. Well, you think so? Yes. Yeah, you know, so the Northwestern. First of all, Wisconsin can run the ball versus almost anybody. Well, that's true, but Northwestern does have a good run defense, but their run D was really only tested so far versus Michigan and, and Purdue. Those are the only teams that really had to give them a run for their money. So yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, I don't that that is more of a compliment to Wisconsin's uh, running attack than it is Wisconsin or Northwestern's defense. Yeah, sure, but let's let's give Northwestern's front seven credit here. This is pretty solid front seven. Um, with that being said, I think Wisconsin will be able to run the ball. I think Hornybrook is due for a good game. Mm -hmm. Wisconsin wins this game, but I am going to take the Fighting Fitzgeralds to cover. Okay, the seven. It is it's it is on the line. This uh, the the over under. It is also on the line in both cases. If you put a gun up to my head, I would say over fifty one for the over under, and I would take Northwestern in the seven points. Yeah, I thought you were going to go the other way. I thought you were going to take Wisconsin. I also like Northwestern. I look at this matchup on paper and I think, well, I would probably take Wisconsin, but because of Fitzgerald and what the Wildcats do, I just can't bet against them right now. And here's one other thing that stuck out to me. The underdog is on an 8-0 run against the spread in Northwestern games. Crazy. What does that tell you? It, it, they play up to their competition, I, I tell you, they play down to their well, competition. Well, I tell you what right? it, it means. What it means is I fully expect Wisconsin to be up by two scores in this game, either late in the second quarter, early in the second half. Mm -hmm. Heck, they might even be up by three scores at some point in this game. Do you really count Northwestern out Never. in that game at that point? No. So the backdoor cover possibilities of Pat Fitzgerald and the Cardiac Cats. I've seen it enough. Say that. Seen it enough times. That's why they're called the Cardiac Cats. Now, friend of the show, Tim Chapman. At, Chappie. Yep, Chappie, not crappy. 
<laughs> Chappie. That's an autocorrect thing, Chappie. It's an autocorrect thing, man. He's on Twitter at champion underscore lit, at champion underscore lit. Loves the under in this game. I know you like the over, but he loves the under. This game has only topped 41 points one out of the last five times. Yeah, um, I definitely can see the trend there. This just looks like a Wisconsin getting out to a – they're going to have like a 24 to 31 point outing mm-hmm. in this game. I don't think Wisconsin's going to be able to keep uh, Northwestern under th- yeah. three touchdowns. Sure. That's I what I'm looking at. I can see that. All right. Next game up, we've got the three and four – Fighting Illini traveling to the four and three Maryland Terrapins. Big Kurt's getting excited. So excited table, for yeah. this game. Uh, facetiously excited, yes. I believe. Uh, Two thirty p.m. This line is on Big Ten Network. Maryland favored by seventeen points. So first mm-hmm. off, with Maryland, are we uh, as far as the tale of two Terrapins that we seem to get with Maryland every other week, or or you know at various points in the season? Um, it again, what we talked about last week. Typically, when we get the good Maryland, it's mm-hmm. because they can run the ball. Yep. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball on Saturday afternoon. Well, Illinois has an atrocious run defense. I know you how much you like your analogies, so I came up with an analogy here. Okay. It's World Series right now, isn't it? It is. It's at least playoffs. I don't Dodgers follow up one nothing. Okay, World Series. So I'm going to use a baseball analogy here. Maryland's offense is kind of like a power hitter that strikes out a lot. Huh. It's it's all or nothing, right? I like them. that, yeah. So, you know, he's he's kind of maybe new to the team. You get excited when he's cranking bombs, but then you're thinking, well, eh, I don't know, is this guy worth it? Maybe we need to unload him in the offseason. Well, the Illinois offense is actually fairly similar to that. Illinois is fourth in the country in scoring drives less than one minute. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of surprising, isn't it? Kind of fits in with the young players they have all over the right. field. All of a sudden, they put some things together and score, but all too often, they just go missing. Now, the Illinois defense is also kind of that – he's like the younger pitcher. You pick up, and you, you hope he can develop a little bit and just give you some quality innings, right? You, know, you don't expect him to be great and shut sure. the other team down. Just slow him down a little bit, eat up innings. But then, you know, it's, it's two-thirds away into the season. You're like, ah, oh, this isn't working out. This guy stinks. <laughs> Let's let's back up a little bit. Yards per play differential. This is interesting. Negative 1.29 for Illinois. Positive 1.29 for Maryland. Crazy. Illinois is 13th in the conference. Maryland is 6th. That's a huge advantage right there, which is why this line is so hefty. Yeah, and again, if you – I haven't done this, but I would be willing to bet if you took Maryland's yard per, yards per play – in the games they've won, and contrasted <laughs> yeah. it when the games they have lost, right. it is probably about as far apart as you could find in the conference. Right, because it was just so ugly against Michigan and Iowa. And Iowa. So, again, it, this seems to be pretty easy to me on one side of things. It's crazy. All these over-unders, they are all within one point. I noticed that. Did you notice that? Yeah, Everything is 50.5 to right. 51.5. So, this one is 51.5. Okay. I love... The over. I in like the, the over in this there game too. too. I'm surprised to see it by that much. Um, I am. I don't love either way. The the 17 points. Um, I I I mean, I can definitely see Maryland winning this game by 17 points, but I can definitely see Maryland 
giving up a lot of garbage type of, uh-huh. of points to to Illinois. Illinois well, is not that bad on offense. No, they can move the ball. Score points. Yeah. So that so I don't like that either way. If you if you put a gun up to my head, mm-hmm. Illinois, don't turn the ball over. Okay. Don't turn the ball over, and you will stay within well, do you ten to fourteen points of Maryland. So that I'm taking I'm taking Illinois plus the seventeen. Okay. Well, Illinois turned the ball over five times in the first half against Wisconsin last week. That equaled their total for turnovers in the entire season up to that point. They haven't been that bad at turning no, the ball over. No, no, they haven't. And they conversely create a lot of turnovers. Here's an interesting tidbit. Both these teams are tied for second in the country in interceptions at thirteen. Wow. Yeah, they. I knew. I knew Maryland had a strong positive in yeah. the turnover ratio. They both run the ball well. Illinois averaging two hundred twenty-six yards a game. Maryland two hundred twenty-five. That's twenty-third and twenty-fifth in the country. Wow, neck and neck. Now, neither of these teams can throw the ball well, right? AJ Bush got benched. I don't know who's going to start. We're not going to find out till about an hour before the game, but. It seems everything's kind of pointing to MJ Rivers, so I think it'll be a little more balanced attack. He's a little bit better passer. Hasn't been really successful going downfield, but short and intermediate routes, he's been at least efficient. Mike Epstein, not going to play in this game. Got injured again against Wisconsin. But passing yardage, Maryland had their third straight game of 85 yards or less passing. That's tough to do in 2018. And four out of their last five, 85 yards or less passing. Even tougher to do in 2018. The one exception was Minnesota. They threw for 117. And they only got to 117. This is an atrocious passing offense. Illinois' D is really, really bad. But you use the term eye candy, right? If they can stay disciplined and stay home, right? I'm making a wincing face right now. They can't. I know. (laughs) I get it. And yeah. I even have written down here, not their strength. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how that's the recipe to win this game. I just don't think they do it. If I wasn't an Illinois fan, I would take them to cover. But just be, because I am, I'm going Maryland. Minus, to cover the minus 17. Understandable. And I there is a thought process in my head where this is simple as Maryland can run the ball and Maryland's defense is good enough to just shut down Illinois. So take the 17. Yeah. And one thing to watch, Trey Watson on defense for Maryland, a yeah, yeah. Illinois transfer. Yeah, could have a big game. Yeah. Um, all right. So with that being said, that brings us to our – that is the number 18th ranked 6-1 Iowa Hawkeyes traveling into Happy Valley to take on the number 17th ranked 5-2 Penn State Nittany Lions – this game is at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Line started quite high at Penn State around 8 or 9 and then dropped very quickly down to Penn State being favored by 4. Um, so what I would start with this game is to say, you know, the old adage is that styles make the fight when you're talking about boxing. Um, I think that's what we have here. You have two evenly matched football teams that aren't that similar there there there's not a lot of things that you can point to for Penn State and Iowa to say they look like this the same they look like that the Mm -hmm. same they go about this way different but the way this is all fitting together from what I can see I I see lots of different opportunities here I honestly think you could see 
Iowa win by two scores or more. Mm-hmm. I definitely think you could see Penn State winning by two scores or more. However, I think I'm going to take Vegas side on things. This is going to play out to be a close game. Okay. Let's look at yards per play differential for these two teams. Iowa at a robust plus 1.63, good for third in the Big Ten. Penn State, even better at plus 2.05, second in the Big Ten. It's going to be an interesting matchup from that perspective. Two very good teams. My question here, I'm going to ask you, how good is this Iowa defense against a dual-threat quarterback like yeah. Chase McSorley? I mean, you're getting me right into my notes that I okay. have here. Um, we don't know. We do not know that. Okay. Um, I think there are two things that scare me the most about this game, and you just hit on one of them. So right now we're talking about the Iowa defense versus the Penn State offense, okay? Kind of interesting, but uh, Trace McSorley had a streak of 34 consecutive games with a touchdown pass. That ended last week Mm. in Indiana. Um, I bring that up because the entire offense runs through Trace McSorley. Yes, it does. We alluded to that on the podcast last week. It does not take a – Big Ten rocket science scientists to to point out that it it could be called the Penn State Nittany McSorleys this year. <laughs> yes, for how for how this team is going, it certainly can. Um, and, and so then your your question was about the dual threat. The dual yeah. threat. Um, if you are think- if you are if you are defensive coordinator Phil Parker, I don't know what you're getting dialed up this week, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> <laughs> that's the focus, okay? Yep. I don't want to take anything away from Miles Sanders' talent. He's a very, very talented running back. Yep. I think on talent alone, that guy can get 50, 60 yards rushing sure. in the game. But if Penn State winds up getting 150 yards rushing or more, you got to assume 70, 80, 90 of it is going to come from Trace McSorley. Yeah. That is the game inside the game right there. So you don't know how good they are against dual threat, but I got to figure they're pretty good with their defensive end play. The when uh, Parker Hesse, who has to have a yeah. big game every week, uh, will have to have a big game again this week. I'm for, confident for he will. I mean, that was there's there's I don't know, some simul- similarities in going against a, a rushing attack like Maryland and going against Penn State, being that it's certainly not a Wisconsin rushing attack power O where you're just lining up behind. You know, sure. offensive line, pick a gap, and then they're they're running the ball. Right. They are figuring out ways to get Miles Sanders out in space running the ball, and then they figure out ways to get Trace McSorley out in space mm-hmm. running the ball. That guy is good, man. I, I mean, I've watched him play a lot of football. He not only gets himself into space to run the ball, he gets himself into space to throw the ball yeah. as well. Well, so I think he's going to be limited running the ball, and I think he's going to have to throw the ball, and I think – there is some opportunity there to pick apart the Iowa defensive backs. I think there are two things that Iowa just has not had. They, they just haven't run into this yet this year. I right. mean, it's crazy. We're into, we're deep into October, deep yep. into the season. One thing is throwing to the running back. That is probably my number one hmm. scare. Um, any Iowa Hawkeye fan that watched the – Rose Bowl from a couple years ago when they got Christian McCaffrey singled up on a safety or a linebacker. Yeah. Way too many. That that basically was the Rose Bowl, by yep. the way. Oh, it was, it was certainly that. was. I, and, I was watching it right next to you. Yeah. and <laughs> Actually, right where we are right now. Correct. Um, that there are fundamentals of how we run, you know, the base 4-3 defense that yep. are still in there where you're still expecting your linebackers to make plays. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're talented. But 
but Miles Sanders is a very good He's special uh, as far as catching the ball and running the ball. Mm-hmm. That is a huge thing to yeah. look out for in this game. I agree. Uh, Iowa State did it very early in the game versus Iowa. Had success doing it. Just completely went away from it the rest of the game. The other side of it is what you just alluded to. McSorley getting open, getting himself open, getting around the the, the pass rush. He's mm-hmm. so small. Sometimes I wonder oh, yeah. if he just squeaks right by the big Iowa defensive line and then throws the ball down the field. Right now, our corners have had – they're very young. They're two yep. true freshman corners. And the one is a walk-on, right? Yes, walk-on. Soon to have a scholarship, sure. uh, Moss. But, yeah, he's he, he is a walk-on. This guy was like a state champion hurdler in Iowa. Yeah. He's, he's a talent. The other one's Julius Brantz. That guy is – long and lean and yeah. talented I, but it i think you are going to see a lot of pressure being put on the Iowa cornerbacks because of McSorley's ability to to get open and throw the ball down the field um uh KJ Hamler my god that guy mm-hmm. is a game breaking absolutely anytime um Cam Sullivan Brown is coming into his own for Penn State and everybody knows Juwan Johnson I don't know yeah. if you know this but he is iffy for the game oh i did not as of right now it's it's a i think basically they're calling it a game time decision that's huge because that is a big physical receiver that penn state can get down the field that's the game right there brother is is how can iowa's defense defend everything we just we just named off okay similar to the wisconsin northwestern game who gives up the fewest sacks in the big 10 it's got to be Iowa. It's Iowa. We're less than a sack a game right now. Who has the most sacks in the Big Ten? It's Penn State. Okay. Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting matchup right there. Yep. And Penn State's Penn State will get to Stanley. On the other side of things, Penn State's uh, – or Iowa's offense versus Penn State's defense. Um, Indiana did a lot of what they wanted to do last week versus Penn State. Yeah, they did. Other teams have done what they've wanted to do versus Penn State. Um if Iowa defense goes or Iowa's offense goes into the freezer and can't move the ball, I mean it's game over. I don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think so. I either. believe the running attack is is better than what people think. The passing attack is probably better than what m- most people think. I fully expect Iowa to be able to move the ball on Penn State's defense for for most of the game. I do too. Um, I, I I look at what I. I'm sorry, I look at what Indiana did to Penn State last week, the, the yardage they put on, on offense. I loved Iowa at eight points. I've said this before. I wish we could record this earlier, but I still like them quite a bit at four points. I'm going with the Hawkeyes plus four. And you really like it. I do. Okay. Um, I'm also going to take Iowa in the plus four. Um, I'm also going to take the under the 51.5 I just think it's going to be an evenly matched enough team or game that it'll it'll just be more of a low scoring thing I mean this feels exactly like a 27 to 24 game which by the way is 51 points right there I mean the over under is 51.5 they're they're absolutely killing this thing Uh, it's not going to be six to four the game from 14 years ago Uh, that seemingly gets brought up all the time to Make fun of what feels to me Kirk Ferentz <laughs> in the the game. I mean, there is going to be more points in the game right. than that, but I don't think there's going to be an explosion. Even though I feel confident in in both offenses, mm-hmm. um, it's just going to be a close game. I, I this is going to be a good one. Indeed, it is. Overall series here, Penn State leads fifteen to twelve. The current streak is Penn State four games. 
Longest streak for both sides, five games. Yep, and the five games was right before those last four games. We uh, Kirk Ferentz kind of had Penn State's number for a while. Iowa won from 2000 to 2004. Penn State's streak was 71 to 75. Okay. First game ever, 1930. Iowa won 19-0 in Iowa City. Oh, shut out. Big day for Iowa yeah. defense. And you know what I forgot to mention, going back to Illinois-Maryland? First time they've ever played. Hmm. Never played even previous yes, to right. the Big Ten. Crazy. First time ever. And another thing you forgot to point out for the Iowa-Penn State game is you have maybe the two best uniforms in all of the Big Ten going at it. On you Saturday. have one good uniform and one really, really bad uniform. We are alluding to alluding to Kurt's uh, just – ridiculous stance that Penn State has bad uniforms. That's but they'll the be at home. Thing. Their home uniforms are much better than their road See, uniforms. See, I would even put the Iowa home unis and Penn State's road unis to be, oh, oh that's that's beautiful right mm, there. Mercy. All right, so quickly around the country, um, we've got Florida and Georgia, the world's largest outdale cocktail party. Um, Georgia's going to win that game. That's I, I feel pretty okay. strongly about that. I think it's interesting in the – the SEC, you had Georgia lost to LSU, right? Yeah. LSU lost to Florida. Florida lost to Kentucky. Kentucky lost to Texas A&M. It's kind of like a waterfall, right? Yep. And uh, and then, strangely enough, I don't have this on one of the games, but Kentucky is going on the road to play Missouri mm. and is a touchdown dog. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. That intimidating Pharaoh Field <laughs> in Columbia, Missouri. Um, Washington State, number 14, red hot. Washington State now traveling down to play number 24, Stanford. That's at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. Um, Stanford has not been able to do much this year. No. I don't have a lot of what confidence. What's wrong with their running game? In them, so I, I, would, take, I would take Washington State yeah. in that game. I you So pack your defense when you're on the road. Washington State can do that, and I think they do enough. The Tracy Clay's defense. Very much so. Um, another upset to look at, uh, potential anyways, is uh, number 16 or uh, number six, Texas at Oklahoma State. Mm. That is uh, no no night games in the Big Ten, so you're going to have to find one of these night games to, to, to take a look at. Um, I can see it, man. I, I'm, I continue to not be a gigantic mm-hmm. Texas hater, no. but I'm not a Texas lover. I, I like Oklahoma State to at least cover in that game. Yeah, I agree with you there, but that's definitely an upset brewing, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. And another one that if you're a Big Ten fan and – or at the very least, a, an anti Notre Dame fan is uh, number two Notre Dame, or, or excuse me, number uh, uh, three Notre Dame, travel or playing Navy, and that's uh, ah, it's yeah. a neutral site game, seven oh, o'clock game. Um, Remember out on I, the East Coast? Somewhere? Yeah, somewhere on the yeah. East Coast. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is twenty four point spread, which I think Ooh. probably raises the eyes to a lot of people. There are a lot of people that like to see those big spreads yeah. against the Naval against Academy. Against Kenny, my yeah. guy. Yeah, your boy. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i traditionally a Notre Dame hater. I guess I'm getting soft. I kind of want them to make the playoff this year. I want them to make the playoff if it means they kick out an SEC team. Yeah, I definitely want that. But even remove SEC, remove Big Ten. I want to see Notre Dame in the playoff. I am not removing the Big Ten. If you put... No, Whoever saying, wins the Big Ten up against Notre Dame, I want to see the Big Ten team get into the college football playoff. I want, to be, cl- I, I want to be clear about that. I'm not saying I don't want a Big Ten team in the playoff. I'm saying forget all the other conferences from the equation. Take them out. In a vacuum, I want Notre Dame in the playoff. 
That's like saying, take out all the craziness that women usually bring to the table. What do you think? <laughs> I, I can't do that. That the two are they they're they they're married together. Okay. So um if I know I mean you Sure seems like Alabama's going to waltz into the playoffs, so there's one spot right, right there. Sure seems like Clemson's going to walk into the playoffs, so there's so. one spot right there. So basically that leaves two more spots for Notre Dame and three conferences. So, again, if Notre mm-hmm. Dame gets in, um, fine, but I, I hope it means it's kicking out the Pac-12, which seems to be the easiest one to kick sure. out, or the w- winner of the Oklahoma-Texas redo, mm-hmm. which is what it kind of seems like it's getting down to. But Yeah, well. We'll see what happens. Okay. That's all I got this week. That's all I got. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us again. Please uh, click and share and get it to your buddies and whatever it takes. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Eyes on Big podcast. I am your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek. And this is Big Kurt. Thanks a lot. Bye.